on today's great feast, the conversion of St. Paul. A couple of things that I'll share with you to, to read from. One is from one of my, the readings I was doing this morning. The opening line was, he thought he knew the right way to follow the Lord, but he had to be knocked off his feet to see the light anew. And this, of course, is referring to his pre-Christian life. And then there was his conversion. That's what we're celebrating today. And then after, in, within his Christian life, he then knew the way to follow the Lord. He thought he was following the Lord before, but he had to learn that he really wasn't. Well, I think we want to be careful for ourselves to not assume that just because we're Christians, we know how to follow the Lord. We want to be continuously growing, continuously converting, continuously learning the right way to follow the Lord. And if, if we get to a moment when we, where we say, oh, I know it, I get it, I know how to follow the Lord, well, that's probably the moment we start sliding backwards. So to always have this disposition of humility before the Lord, to be receiving from Him the way to follow Him. And one way to do that is to be studying, to be studying the great saints and the great doctors of the church. So I'll read a sermon by St. John Chrysostom, one of the early doctors of the church, on this feast, on the Feast of St. Paul. Paul, more than anyone else, has shown us what man really is, and in what our nobility consists, and of what virtue this particular animal is capable. Interesting how he puts that, this particular animal. Of course, us humans, we're rational animals. That's what, that, that is our particularity. We're rational animals. That's what differentiates us from the other animals. So we, we want to develop our virtue according to our rationality, according to our reason, which is grounded on eternity. Right? Our rational soul is what makes us eternal, rational and eternal soul. So to not, to not develop our virtue according to temporal things of the world, but according to eternity. Each day he aimed even higher. Each day he rose up with greater ardor and faced with new eagerness the dangers that threatened him. He summed up his attitudes in the word, attitude in the words, I forget what is behind me and push on to what lies ahead. When he saw death imminent, he bade others share his joy. Rejoice and be glad with me. And when danger, injustice, and abuse threatened, he said, I am content with weakness, mistreatment, and persecution. These he called the weapons of righteousness thus telling us that he derived immense profit from them. See, he's not just saying, I endure the sufferings, I endure the injustices, I endure the threats, so that I can get through it and get back to being comfortable or, or living in justice and all the rest. He's saying, no, he leaned into them. He derived immense profit from them. This resonates with what... St. Ignatius of Loyola refers to as the third kind of humility, the third of three kinds. So the, the first and the second are basically no mortal sin and no venial sin with some other things added to it. And then the third, so this is the goal. This is where we want to we go. This is the most perfect kind of humility. It consists in this. If we suppose the first and second kind attained, then whenever the praise and glory of the divine majesty would be equally served, in order to imitate and be in reality more like Christ our Lord, 
I desire and choose poverty with Christ poor rather than riches, insults with Christ loaded with them rather than honors. I desire to be accounted as worthless and a fool for Christ rather than to be esteemed as wise and prudent in this world. So Christ was treated before him. St. Paul clearly has reached this, this third kind of humility. Thus, amid the traps set for him by enemies, with exultant heart, he turned their every attack into a victory for himself. Constantly beaten, abused, and cursed, he boasted of it as though he were celebrating a triumphal procession and taking trophies home, and offered thanks to God for it all. Thanks be to God who is always victorious in us. This is why he was far more eager for the shameful abuse that his yielding preaching brought upon him than we are for the most pleasing honors more eager for death than we are for life, for poverty than we are for wealth. He yearned for toil far more than others yearn for rest after toil. The one thing he feared, indeed dreaded, was to offend God. Nothing else could sway him. Therefore, the only thing he really wanted was always to please God. The most important thing of all to him, however, was that he knew himself to be loved by Christ. Enjoying this love, he considered himself happier than anyone else. Were he without it, it would be no satisfaction to be the friend of principalities and powers. He preferred to be thus loved and to be the least of all, or even to be among the damned, than to be without that love and be among the great and honored. To be separated from that love was, in his eyes, the greatest and most extraordinary of torments. The pain of that loss would alone have been hell, an endless, unbearable torture. So too, in being loved by Christ, he thought of himself as possessing life, the world, the angels, present and future, the kingdom, the promise, and countless blessings. Apart from that love, nothing saddened or delighted him, for nothing earthly did he regard as bitter or sweet. Paul set no store by the things that fill our visible world any more than a man sets value on the withered grass of the field. As for tyrannical rulers or the people enraged against him, he paid them no more heed than gnats. Death itself and pain and whatever torments might come were but child's play to him, provided that thereby he might bear some burden for the sake of Christ. This is the cross, and this is the, the scandal to the Gentiles and the scandal to, to our own ears as we hear this, due to our own attachments to the world, our own attachments to our preferences, our comforts, and so forth. So we want to recognize that, know that we're not St. Paul, maybe not yet, we can, all be, we can all achieve this third kind of humility, but to recognize that and give that to the Lord, to not make excuses for it, no justifications, just to say, God, I'm not where you want me to be yet. You want me to be a great saint, Lord. I'm not there yet, so please help me. Please give me your life. Please develop this life in me. So I'll just read again what St. John Chrysostom says is the most important of all this. The most important thing of all to him was that he knew himself to be loved by Christ. Enjoying this love, he considered himself happier than anyone else. Were he without it, it would be no satisfaction to be the prince of principalities and powers. He preferred to be thus loved and be the least of all, or even to be among the damned, 
than to be without that love and be among the great and honored.